We live in a world that doesn't always understand grief, but we do. We see you, we hear you, and we're here to talk about grief in the most real of ways, because we have lived with it too. In this podcast, we'll look at ways to integrate grief into a life that is fulfilling and meaningful for you. There'll be no platitudes or silver linings, but there may be the occasional F-bomb. I'm coach John Polo, and my person died. I'm coach Carolyn Gower, and my person died too. Hey everyone, this week's episode is one that we actually released about, oh, I guess it was a year and a half ago, and it still remains one of our most played episodes. It's entitled Signs from Our Loved Ones, and we thought it might be nice for you to hear it as we enter this holiday season. We hope that you enjoy it, and we'd love to hear your feedback on this and any of our other episodes. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about some of the ways that we can receive signs and messages, which are also known as after-death communication, from our loved ones who have passed. We also asked our Facebook community and Instagram followers for some of their favourite signs. And on top of that, John and I will also be sharing some of our own personal experiences as well. We did receive a lot of messages about this, and unfortunately, we can't share all of your stories here today. But we're going to share quite a few. And we also understand that this episode may not be for everyone. Not every episode we do is going to be for everyone, but we have had a lot of people asking for an episode on signs. Carolyn and I personally do believe in signs, so we thought it would be a good time to do this episode. And even if you are a spiritual person, that doesn't mean that your version of spirituality is going to look exactly the same as someone else's. There are parts of it that may not fit with your beliefs as a griever. They may feel like toxic spirituality or spiritual bypassing. And the thing is, you don't have to agree with all of them to be a spiritual being. What I've done myself is to make my own version of spirituality. So I choose what feels right with me and I just leave the rest. And as far as signs go, it's important to understand that sometimes it can take a while for your person to learn how to show you signs that you will recognize. So just an example of this is that they could be showing you song lyrics that are relevant to what you're feeling at the time. But because it's not an actual song that is special to you, you may not recognize it. You see, it is a bit of trial and error for them and for you as well. So don't be disheartened if you really, really want a sign but feel that you aren't getting any because most likely they're trying to work it all out too. Yeah, that's so true. And look, not all signs are grand and obvious. So it's important that we try not to focus too hard on looking for them. Sometimes as nonsensical as it sounds, the harder you try to look for them, the more likely you are to miss them. So it's about allowing ourselves to be open to receiving them. And also, you know, the busier our mind is, right, the more we have going on in our mind, the more likely we are to miss them. And if you're deep in grief, right, your mind is going to be very busy. So it's possible that you're receiving signs, but just not actually noticing the signs. That's 100% true, John. And something I know we both get asked quite a bit, John, is how do you know if something is indeed a sign? Well, if that question pops into your head, so if you do find yourself asking if something is a sign, it is. That's your sign that it is a sign. So, John, I'm just curious to know, before Michelle died, did you believe in signs and did you ever discuss with her sending signs to you in the afterlife? Yeah, I did believe in signs. Um, I know you're going to tell this story in a second, but I actually kind of started believing in signs and really kind of 
becoming a very spiritual person through the work of John Edwards. And I believe the same thing is true with you, which you're going to talk about in depth in a moment. So I was about 18 when that happened through the work of John Edwards and James Van Prague. So I really did believe in signs. I don't think we discussed her sending me signs, but I do remember while she was in hospice and she was in a coma, I talked to her and I told her that she better come visit me. She better bring me signs, et cetera. So, you know, it was a one-sided conversation, but I do believe that she heard. What about you? Did you and Tony discuss that at all? So I first became interested in signs after my grandmother died in 2001 and look, her and I were really close and I often felt that she was around me. So I started watching John Edwards TV show Crossing Over and I found the whole thing just fascinating. But then I guess, you know, life got a bit busy and I, you know, had the, still had the signs with my grandmother every now and again, but um, I didn't sort of think about it too much. So as far as Tony and I go, we didn't really have much of a discussion about it. Though looking back now, I kind of wish that we had. You see, while Tony knew that he was dying, he was also somewhat in denial a bit as well, which seemed to be how he coped with it. So I guess I was really mindful not to talk to him about, you know, life after he died unless he initiated that conversation himself. I didn't want him to think, you know, geez, she's got me dead already. So all that I really said to him was, you'd better let me know that you're around me. And he did. He promised me that he'd always be with me. And I must say, Johnny's kept his word. The amount of signs I get from him is beyond what I ever, ever expected was possible. Another thing you can experience is to feel the presence of your loved one around you, as I mentioned before regarding my grandmother. And I've had this happen several times with Tony as well. But one time that specifically comes to mind was, I guess it was maybe a year after Tony died. And I went to a talk that a guy was doing. This guy was a medium, but at what he wasn't doing readings. He was just doing like a bit of an information session. Um, talking about spirituality and I remember feeling Tony's presence really strongly as I walked into the door at the event then as this guy was talking I noticed that he kept making eye contact with me even the lady sitting next to me commented on it then all of a sudden he randomly shouted Tony's here and looked at me again then every now and again he would mention Tony's name by this time, I was thinking, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and then he said, Tony, why are you asking me to talk about prostate cancer to a room full of women? And of course, you know, Tony oh, died from prostate cancer. So I'm, oh my God, what's going on? But anyway, <laughs> at the end of his talk, we made a beeline towards, towards each other. And I said to him, my Tony's here, isn't he? And he said, Yes, and he wanted me to tell you, and he listed off all these things that were really, really specific and significant to me at that time, and I was just like completely blown away. Wow, that's crazy. So he made his presence known early on in a big way. <laughs> he was making sure I knew. <laughs> wow, wow. It, and look, I just want to take a moment here. I know we're going to talk about this later on in the episode, but just... Taking one second here to say that for those that don't feel like they have got signs or don't feel like they, you know, feel their loved one's presence near them and you get discouraged and maybe this podcast episode is even making you more discouraged. We're going to touch a little bit on that towards the end of the episodes. Yes, John, we will touch on that a bit later in the episode. Yep. Yep. So. The next thing I want to talk, you can edit out that. Yep. Yep. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> okay. So the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is touch. And again, I've never experienced this personally, but I know a lot of people have. So the way that they've described it to me is that it almost feels like someone's patting them 
on the back or the arm or, you know, rubbing their back or their arm, or perhaps even like giving them a hug. So never experienced it myself. What about you? Have you? Yeah, I have. And it was mainly in the earlier days after Tony died. The main one I remember is that I was at Tony's mate's wedding about six months after he died. And it was the first big thing I'd been to by myself since then. So it was really, really hard. The ceremony was outdoors. And as we stood waiting for the bride, I began to feel extremely anxious. Then all of a sudden there was like a really gentle breeze and I felt Tony put his hand on my shoulder and whisper, I'm right here with you. It was so surreal, but a sense of calm came over me immediately. I mean, was he like that? Would you expect it from Tony after he, you know, died for him to be able to communicate in such a amazing, clear, powerful way? No, as I said, it was something we didn't really discuss together apart from him letting me know that he was going to be around and he was sort of the person he would never like to be the center of attention or anything. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I, I'm not even sure how strong his beliefs were in the other side. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really impressing me and I know that he would do whatever he could to let me know and to make sure that I knew that he was around. So yeah, good job, Tony. I'm impressed. Yeah. And you know, one of the things just being a spiritual person, you know, following famous mediums throughout the years, they don't have to believe on earth in order for them to be giving signs after, right? So like the medium events I've gone to where they're connecting with people, some of the people who have died and are now coming through were complete skeptics as far as mediumship and, you know, post-death communication. So even if Tony didn't believe in it, it doesn't surprise me that now he is coming through in these big ways. The funny thing is the first reading I had after Tony died, one of the first things that the medium said to me was, he didn't really believe so much in this stuff before, but now he does. Yeah. So <laughs> mm -hmm. he's, he's making his point. Yeah, absolutely. So the next one I think we want to talk about a little bit, and this is one I can actually talk about, um, is electrical disturbances. Yes, John, this um, can be a common one. And it can be things like lights going on and off, radios changing stations, or anything electrical doing something unexpected or maybe unexplained. For me personally, this mostly happens in the car. The interior lights will randomly turn on and I can't turn them off. Or the electric window will go down by itself. It was funny, one time my adult son was in the car with me when it happened and he just goes, what the hell, mum? And I said, <laughs> it's okay. It's just Tony saying hello. Right. <laughs> How about you, John? You've got some to tell us about, I believe. There are so many I can tell you about. I'll tell you about one really great one. I will say that before I get into my personal experience, from everything I've learned, this is actually the easiest way for them to communicate. It's, it's the easiest form of communication for them. So this is something that, you know, they'll do often after they first pass away. Does that make sense? Have you heard that as well? Yeah, I have actually. Yes. So mine started like the day after Michelle passed, my phone started doing things that I've never had a phone do ever in my entire life. And now it's funny because she'll actually mess with Allie, my girlfriend, like she'll like, like Ali and Ali will talk to her. She'll be like, okay, Michelle, haha, -ha, right? Like she'll do things in Ali's car. <laughs> so it's pretty funny. But the best example I can give you about electrical disturbances from Michelle is this. So she passes away and I would have the TV on every night until like the moment I was ready to shut my eyes. And then the moment I woke up the next morning, I would put the TV on because I always wanted the noise in the background. So you know, every night I turn the TV off and I'd go to bed and it would be on the same exact TV station every night. I would wake up and it was on a different station. Every day I woke up, the TV was on a different station than it was when I turned the TV off. 
And it was always on the station that she watched. Like she liked that horrible TV. Like, I don't know if you heard about this, uh, like in Australia, but like keeping up with the Kardashians, like just ridiculous, like American reality television. That's what Michelle liked. So I would watch the news. I would turn it off right before bed. I'd wake up and it would be on her station every single night. (laughs) The other thing that happened was she would mess with me with the volume. So I would try to turn the volume up and nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. All of a sudden, minutes later, it would jump up to like 77. So at first, you know, you question it a little bit. You're like, okay, is this some kind of weird, bizarre glitch? Is it Michelle? I was going through that type of thing, right? I got a new TV, not because of this. I just wanted to treat myself. You know, I I bought myself a new TV. We had an old TV. At the same time I got a new TV, I also got a new cable provider. So here in the States, I switched from Comcast to AT&T. New TV, new cable provider, new remote, same shit happened. I would go to bed every night with the news, you know, turn off the news, wake up with her reality TV crap station on, and the same exact stuff with the volume. And this went on for about the first 18 months. She still did it on occasion after that, but much less often. Because finally I was like, babe, I know you're here, but can I watch my fucking game, (laughs) right? (laughs) She was wanting you to keep up with the Kardashians, John. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she was driving me crazy. And it would always be like in the, like, you know, ninth inning of the baseball game, I'm trying to turn the volume up and she would be messing with it. I was like, okay, haha, not funny anymore. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they must have fun entertaining us, hey? (laughs) Yeah, they have a lot of fun torturing us down here. (laughs) (laughs) Something that some people report seeing is a partial or full appearance, or some call it a silhouette of their loved one. And it seems that it's usually in their bedroom, standing at the end of their bed. Now, this is something that I haven't personally experienced, though I do have several clients and friends who have. And it's usually soon after their death, and they felt that their person has come to say goodbye to them. Yeah, I've never experienced it either. Although, like you, I've had some friends and some clients who said they have. And it's helpful to know that communications can happen more easily when you are in that alpha state of consciousness which is the relaxed state that you're in when you're daydreaming, meditating, or about to fall asleep. And I do a lot of meditation myself and have experienced this quite often. And that kind of leads me to the next point, which is visitation dreams. So again, this is something I have not experienced, although a lot of people do. These dreams seem more real than ordinary dreams from what people tell me, right? These dreams seem more real than just an ordinary dream. And people who have experienced them, a lot of people can vividly remember them months and sometimes even years later, whereas normal dreams are forgotten more quickly. Yeah, I I absolutely love having these. Most often it's Tony or sometimes my grandmother, and they are very vivid. You know, I did have a dream once about Michelle a couple years in, but I knew it wasn't a visitation dream. I feel like a lot of times people can tell the difference. And when it's the visitation dream, a lot of times people feel comforted. Um, Mine wasn't really a visitation dream. Like, I know that. And I got to tell you, waking up, I felt anything but comforted because it wasn't a visitation dream, like, but I... Like, I thought she was there, right? Like, like I was dreaming about her and then waking up to the reality of her not being there was unbelievably painful. So sometimes it can actually be painful to wake up from a dream you're having of them, whether or not it's a visitation dream. I totally agree with that, John. Well, I'm good. Good. So we're on the same page. <laughs> We do disagree quite a lot too. Not on the podcast a whole lot, but we disagree. Yeah, we we have healthy conversations. Yeah, we do. Tell us, let's talk about the next one, symbols. Of course. Let's talk about symbols. These seem to be the most common signs 
So it could be things like butterflies, rainbows, birds, flowers, coins, feathers, animals, and numbers. Now, there are people who might think that these are a coincidence. However, it's important to know that the significance is the timing or behavior of these things. Now, one of my most common symbols is that I see the number 38 everywhere. It was Tony's favorite number as it was his racing number when he raced Speedway. Whenever I look at the time, nine times out of 10, it will be something 38. Even when I got my replacement credit card not long after Tony died, I looked on the back and the security code was 038. Yeah, you know, a lot of people think that it is a coincidence. And look, I mean, sometimes it might be a coincidence. But again, like if you listen to the greatest spiritual minds of our time, the greatest mediums of our time, these are actual signs, right? And again, it's about, you know, paying attention to them, being open to them. Um, Michelle comes through with songs a lot as well as numbers. You know, her number 11, 22, 4, these are like really, really impactful numbers in our lives. So I'll see those a lot. Yeah, look, I guess the most um, common sign that I receive from Tony is songs. And I think it's because I love music and he knows that and there's always a song that comes on with either the right lyrics or one of our songs at a perfect time when I need it. Can I just stop for one second? Yeah, before you get to the next thing, it, I doubt anybody hears it, but if anybody hears like screaming in the background, it's because there's like three douchebags in the pool <laughs> in my apartment <laughs> building who are like screaming on top of their lungs from the pool. They're like grown men wrestling in the pool <laughs> and screaming. So that's what the screaming is if anybody hears it. But go ahead. Let's let's continue with the podcast. <laughs> I'm just thinking lucky them being in the pool. Remember we're in winter in Australia. Yeah, it's hot here in Illinois today. So, John, do you have a favorite sign that Michelle has given you? I do. Uh, all right, I'm going to have to give you two answers on that, okay? So, again, to the, to the person listening to this who's maybe a little bit skeptical about signs, they might not think it's a sign, but I know it was a sign. And not only do I know it was a sign, but more than anything, like, I felt it was a sign. Does that make sense, Carolyn? Like, Sometimes you just know whether something's a coincidence or it's a sign. Does that make sense? It does. When you know, oh, you oh. know. <laughs> right. So I'll give you two. I'll give you the first one and then I'll give you my absolute favorite one. So my birthday is on July 21st and our wedding anniversary was July 26th. So I went out with my mom and my stepdaughter. I think this was two years after Michelle passed. Two or three, I can't remember. I went out with them for a combination. It was a combination, my birthday, and to celebrate our wedding anniversary. And we went to a restaurant, and Michelle and my stepdaughter would call me Johnny. They're the only two people who call me Johnny. Johnny Poo, Johnny, one of those. <laughs> they would always call me one of those. So we get to the restaurant. We're sitting down, going to celebrate my birthday slash our wedding anniversary, a couple of years after Michelle passed. The waitress's name is Michelle. I'm like, okay, you know, that could be a coincidence. Although I, I kind of felt something in my heart when she said it. And then 50 minutes later, she starts this, Michelle, the waitress starts singing happy birthday to the person sitting next to us. And his name was Johnny, right? So oh, you have Michelle wow. singing happy birthday, Johnny, um, to the people sitting next to us. So I took that as a sign. And then my absolute favorite sign ever was when I went to Camp Widow in 2017. I talked about it before, like that trip fundamentally changed my life in huge ways and for a bunch of different reasons. And I was leaving the hotel and I had never waited more than like a minute for the elevator so i was there at the, the hotel for like five or six days never waited more than a minute for the elevator i have my suitcase i'm going to be leaving the hotel now after i've experienced this trip that's fundamentally changed my life in a bunch of different ways and all of a sudden it's like a 20 minute wait there's a bunch of people there like i'm waiting for the elevator you know it's like a 20 minute wait so i was 18 months out at this point 
And at this point, seeing other young couples still really, really, really hurt my heart. So a young couple starts walking out of their room. And now they're going to wait at the elevator with us, with the other 60 people waiting for the elevator. And I see them and they have two little kids and it, it just like hurts my heart, right? The young couple, the kids, the baby, like it just hurt my heart. And you and I know, Carolyn, like that's not jealousy or ill will. It's just a reminder of what we had and, and don't anymore, right? Exactly. So my stepdaughter's name is Emma. So about three or four minutes in, we're still all waiting for the elevator. The dad, the two kids are like running around, you know, they're getting rambunctious. The dad goes, Emma. I'm like, well, that's weird, right? I'm like, okay. About a minute later, the mom goes, Parker, and Michelle had a miscarriage. She lost a baby, and we were going to name the baby Parker. So I took that as a sign, and I, like, really was fighting back the tears. And I was debating whether or not, like, I should tell these people this story or, like, if they would think I was a fucking weirdo, right? (laughs) Um, But I did, and, like, they were touched, and we had a fairly lengthy conversation about it. So I really took that as a sign that she was with me in that moment. And that's something that we haven't discussed to this point, which is they can come to you through other people as well. I love those stories. That's so beautiful. And that you're right. That's something we haven't discussed yet and it can happen. So that was, you know, well, actually I cheated. Those were my two favorite signs. Um, What about you? Do you have a favorite sign from Tony? Well, it's a little bit hard to choose a favourite. I've probably got about 20 favourite ones. So I might just share the first sign that I got from Tony. Let's do it. So a few days before Tony died, he randomly told me that he wanted one of our favourite songs from the 80s, which is a song called Throw Your Arms Around Me by Hunters and Collectors. He told me that he wanted it played at his funeral. And at that stage, we'd already talked about the music that he wanted, but he was so adamant now that he really wanted this song. So, of course, I said I'd do it. So when he did die, I stayed with him for about four hours in the hospital while we all said our goodbyes to him. It was 6am on a Sunday morning when we left the hospital and my daughter was driving me home in my car. So we got in the car and as she turned it on, The radio came on and it was the very distinctive chords right at the start of the song, Throw Your Arms Around Me. So I've yelled out, fuck! My daughter (laughs) screamed, what? (laughs) And turned the car off and I yelled, turn it back on now! And it was just such a clear sign from Tony just four hours after he died. It was crazy. I couldn't get over it. Yeah, that's what we talked about. Like they can... It, it takes them time to learn to communicate. I mean, this is what I've heard. I mean, I'm not the expert on it, but it takes them time. They have to learn how to communicate, but some communication is easier than others. And Tony seemed like he is a pretty quick learner, right? <laughs> um, so we want to share some of your stories now. Again, we asked for some stories. We got a bunch of them. We're going to share a couple here. If you don't hear your story shared by us today, it's not because we did not love it, but it's only because you know, we can't do a six-hour podcast. But all the stories that we we received, we read, and we love them all. Do you want to go ahead and uh, share the first one, Carolyn? Sure, John. So Ashley says, Rory passed away last November. He died suddenly in the home we shared together. It was very unexpected and happened in front of me. I told myself I'd never go back to that house. I felt like I hated it. I had the house on the market and decided to go back for a final goodbye. I expected to feel horrible, but I felt so calm and at peace, and I know he was there with me. After that, I went back to my parents' house and the doorbell started to ring nonstop. There was no one at the door, and my dad had to disconnect the whole doorbell as it was just going crazy. A few weeks ago, my sister-in-law, who is Rory's sister, had a spiritual experience with a medium and said that Rory rang the doorbell to say goodbye to me and that he crossed over straight after that. I have not felt his presence since that day. 
I love that. Penny says, years ago, I was working on a project at work. Lots of hours and pretty stressful. Ronnie burned a song on a CD and gave it to me one morning and told me to listen to it on the way to the office. Whenever I am having a particularly stressful or sad day, that song will come on the radio. Doesn't matter what channel I have it tuned to, the song always finds me. The song is Just Remember I Love You by Firefall. I believe it is him sending me that song to let me know he is here. Oh, that's so special. Anna says, my husband died on the beach just as he was going out for a surf. He always took his wedding band off. After he died, I couldn't find his ring anywhere to the extent that I was obsessing over it. I sat in his car one day, put my hands on the steering wheel and said, Crocker, I need to find your ring. I got this feeling and my hands were guided down the steering wheel column to a little tray that I never knew was there. And sure enough, my fingers landed on Crocker's ring, which I've been wearing since to feel close to him. I love that one. Thank you all for sharing. We have a few more here we're going to share. Liz says, two days after he died, while he was still in the funeral home, he called the house phone and left an answer. The only thing he said was hello, twice. It was definitely his voice. We were married for 49 years, so there's no way I would have made a mistake. I still have that message. Wow, that's so powerful. And it's something that I hear quite a lot with clients as well. Now, Cole says, I'll be honest, I'm not a particularly spiritual person. And I've always thought that with so many things around us all of the time, it's easy to find something that we can translate as a sign. Having said that, one morning about a month after my wife died, I put her playlist on my Google speaker as I jumped in the shower. James Blunt's Goodbye My Lover was playing. I stepped into the shower, turned on the water and closed the shower door. Within a few seconds, the music stopped. I got out of the shower and pressed play on my phone again. I got back in the shower and closed the door. When after a few seconds, the music stopped again. I got out and moved my phone into a position where I could see the screen from the shower. I pressed play and got back into the shower again. This time, as I stood in the shower, I watched the screen on my phone turn from play to pause and the music stopped again for a third time. I got out and pressed play again and got back in the shower. You guessed it, it happened for a fourth time. And by that stage, I knew I was destined to have that shower in silence. So that's what I did. My wife died in our home in that same ensuite bathroom, and her ashes are in our adjoining master bedroom. That's beautiful. Let's read one from Julie. Julie says, I bought a new car about six months after Joe passed. When I pulled down the driver's side sun visor, the part sticker was still on there. 4618. Joe was born in 1946 and passed away in 2018. Four years later, that sticker is still on the visor. And again, we talked about that, Carolyn. They can come through in numbers, big time. Absolutely. I love that, Julie. I, can I actually just share one thing real quick before we get to the next person? So I actually think that, and this may sound batshit crazy to some people, but I think it's true. <laughs> Uh, I think that Michelle died on the 22nd for a purpose. I mean, she was in hospice for 22 days. So here's the significance to the number 22. There's a lot of it, actually. Let me just tell you briefly. So first of all, Michelle's birthday was 11-11, which if you add that together, it's four. There's a page in one of my books about her favorite number being four. The room that we got checked into hospice was room four. And then the number 22 is significant to us. So the first day we saw each other again after eight years apart was February 22nd. She was diagnosed July 22nd. 
Her daughter's birthday is August 22nd. And she passed away January 22nd. So I actually think like she kind of waited for that day. <laughs> um, and if you add all that together, 1111, 422, like all these numbers go together. So I think numbers can play a big part in the signs that we receive. Oh, I absolutely agree. And as we know, 1111 are very significant signs in spirituality. Yep, absolutely. Moving on to Justine. So Justine says, I read a post about signs and decided to do a little experiment. I spoke out loud to my brother Durham and said, send me a clownfish because you're a clown. There's nothing special about a clownfish between the two of us, just something obscure that I don't see every day. I'm a recreational therapist and the next day a client wanted to colour with me. We had to go to a different department and the staff there handed her a folder of colouring pages. She sifted through them and said, Justine, you colour this fish because I already coloured a fish. I looked down to see two clownfish on this sheet of paper. As I was colouring, my eyes wandered to the corner of the page to see when this sheet was printed by my co-worker. This sheet of clownfish that I asked for as a sign from my brother <laughs> the day before was printed on his birthday. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I Although I that. just, I will say a word of caution. It worked for Justine, but don't be asking for too many specific signs, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you can do it, but just sometimes they come through the way they're going to come through. Does that make sense? Yeah. Look, Tony. Um, Oh, fuck. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm sure God. Tony was a wonderful human, but you're getting your people mixed up here. <laughs> Tell me, you're getting your people mixed up. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, yeah, should have known that that Wait, was didn't I call you the time. wrong name once, too? I didn't call you Michelle, but I did call you the wrong name once. But You, you did remember. nearly call me Emma. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so where was I on that note? I, I don't know. You were going to uh, say something about two-tone. Specific yeah. signs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the first reading I had with a medium after Tony died, I, you know, was being a bit wary of the whole situation. And I thought now, you know, I'm going to let her tell me everything. I'm not giving anything up. I was, you know, trying to hide everything, of course. And I said to Tony before to give me a really specific sign as in a word. And the word was a really strange one. It was pong box. And it come about because my grandmother, when she was alive, went up the street one day and her muffler system fell off her car. And she come back and she said, just lost my pong box. <laughs> and I just happened to share this story with Tony six months before he died. And I've never seen anyone laugh so much. So no one else really knew this story. It happened many years ago. I told Tony, so I said to him, when I have the reading, let me know you're really there by saying pong box. So anyway, we're halfway through this reading and I said to the medium, um, you know, I have got a specific word that I asked him to give to me today. So she was, you know, trying to get this word and she kept saying to me, oh, he's showing me something, but I just can't quite get what he's trying to show me. And she kept on like this. And in the end, she said, he said to ask you, you will be able to make sense of it. She said, it's a box, but I can't work out what sort of box it is. And I said, ah, okay, that's okay. I know <laughs> what it is. I've got my pong box. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's fantastic. I, I want to share a medium story with the audience as well before we get off this episode. But I think we have one more we want to read from one of our listeners. So I'm going to take that one from Jackie. Jackie says, when I'm a bit stressed and talking to him while driving, I often see cars with his name on the license plate. It's always a different car, but the plate starts with AXL, which was his stage name. He used to play tricks on our adult children. He still does. He moves things and puts them in obscure places or when they get cranky and say, okay, enough, hand it over. The items show up in a place. There is no way they could have been missed. He was a comedian in life and still, it seems 
he is like that now. That's another thing that they do. They can move stuff just to give us a hard time. This happened after my dad passed away. Something very similar to what Jackie was saying. He was fucking with my mom. And then my mom was finally like, stop it, right? And like <laughs> a few minutes later, like it was in a place that we had looked like eight times. Um, so that's definitely something else they can do for sure. And don't ask me how, like for the skeptics out there, I don't know how they do it either, but I do believe they can do it. <laughs> yeah. On that note, the funny things they do, it just made me um, think of a friend of mine whose son died, you know, some years ago and he used to always play tricks on her and he was a chef and she'd always wait up late at night for him to come home from work and she'd be in her recliner in the lounge in front of the TV and fall asleep in the recliner chair. So um, quite often after he died, she would be up late at night, fall asleep in her recliner. Then all of a sudden he would eject her out of the recliner. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, they do have some funny tricks. So quite a few people from our community have said that they see ladybugs, feathers, hearts, birds, bicycles, butterflies, hear special songs or song lyrics. And as we said earlier, it is the timing of these that is significant. They usually appear right when you need them. John, we do have a, a couple more of our own personal experiences to share. What have you got for us? I'll just tell a quick story. So I'm not going to get into the whole reading. But I got read by the famous medium, John Edwards, at one of his events in front of like 500 people, Michelle came through. And I'll just tell you how she came through. I won't, again, I'm not going to get into the whole reading. So I had went the year prior. I went about five months after she died and I didn't get read. And obviously, you know, I was disappointed. I go back the next year when he's back in Chicago. And I just felt like she was going to come through. So he's reading the guy in front of me and he's finishing up not directly in front of me, but like the row in front of me, he finishes up reading him and he goes, okay, like right behind where I'm reading, like right somewhere, right where I'm reading. He's like, did somebody swallow a human bone? And I raise my hand <laughs> and he's like, you know what this is? And I'm like, I sure do. So what happened is, you know, I tell stories for a living, right? Like, I mean, I, I write books, you know, Part of this work is storytelling, right? And coaching, et cetera. Um, Michelle was the complete opposite. Michelle could not tell a story for anything, right? She would try to tell me a story and I'd just be like, you're so confusing. I have no idea what you're talking about. But she could tell one story and she would tell it constantly. And every time she told it, the way she told it, because she was so funny without even trying to be, we would all laugh like, it was the first time we ever heard it. So I don't think they listen to this podcast. If they do, oh, well. Um, one of Michelle's answers is a little bit wacky. That's how I'll describe her, a little bit wacky. And she has a glass eye. <laughs> and her boyfriend likes to drink a little bit. So every night she <laughs> takes the glass eye out, puts it in saline. The boyfriend got up one night thinking that it was, you know, a cup of water or drink, whatever, and drink it. He swallowed her glass eye. <laughs> so she's screaming at him. You drank my eye. You drank my eye. She makes him vomit it up, cleans it off and puts it back in her eye. <laughs> so Michelle would tell this story all the time. And every time she would tell it because she would tell it in such a funny way, we would all be laughing our asses off so when john edwards is like right here you know right in my section right in my row like who swallowed a human bone and i raised my hand that's how michelle chose to come through and from there i just got <laughs> like a 10 minute reading that was absolutely phenomenal he was right about absolutely everything he said including most things that nobody else knew oh, i love that story john and like you, um, and we have discussed this before between ourselves, I have had a reading with John Edward when he came to Australia in his life performance as well. But I'm not going to talk about that today other than to say it was amazing and very accurate and I loved it. But I am going to talk about uh, that first reading that I had that I mentioned before. 
And I was so blown away by how accurate everything was. There was so much stuff that came up that only Tony and I knew. The only thing that I didn't think was right when the medium told me was that Tony said I wouldn't be living with my parents much longer and they'd have have my own place to live. And he was going to make sure of it. And I thought that there was no way that could possibly happen in less than a year because, as I've mentioned before, I had to move in with my parents a few months after he died and, and um, you know, had no money, no job and had to get back on my feet. But lo and behold, two months after that reading, I bought my own little one-bedroom place. So he was right. And I'm still not really sure how that happened, but he did make it happen. But the thing is, when I bought that little townhouse, there was another two-bedroom home just being built that I really wanted, but I just didn't have enough money for it at the time. So I bought this little old townhouse and renovated it over the next 18 months. By then, I really wanted somewhere a bit bigger. So with Tony's nagging, I found a newer two-bedroom place to buy, but I had to sell my townhouse at a certain price in a certain time frame, also be approved for the loan to be able to buy it. So a lot of things had to happen for it to go ahead. But somehow it all fell into place. But what I later realized was that the home that I bought was the one that I initially wanted but couldn't afford. And I still had the photo screenshotted on my phone. I honestly believe that Tony helped me to get this house because before he died, he just would always apologize that he couldn't leave me with a home and he knew it was going to be hard for me financially. But in that first reading, he told me that he was going to make it happen and he did. I love that story. I have to share. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but it kind of goes in line with what you just shared. So I, Michelle and I started building a house uh, about five months before she got sick. We closed on it a month after she got diagnosed and we lived there for two and a half years before she died. And I was absolutely adamant that I would stay there the rest of my life. Right. And I actually had a couple of like friends who have medium abilities tell me like, no, you're going to want to move. And I got pissed at them. (laughs) I didn't like show it, but in my head, I was thinking like, I am not moving from this house. This is my house, you know, that I had with Michelle. I'm never leaving. But two years later, I was completely broke and I just needed a fresh start. So I put the house up for sale. I ended up renting a place that I really didn't like about a few blocks away and I rented it for 18 months. I I just, I had to get in something quick. It was available, so I took it. So I signed an 18 month lease. As the lease was winding down and I was really unhappy there, I knew I wanted a change of some kind, but I didn't really know what to do. So there was a local restaurant here that was about 20 minutes away from where I lived. And, you know, I've been going there forever and I would go and I would get a cheeseburger and fries and, you know, a Coke and I would drive back home and I'd eat it. Well, on one day, I just like zoned out and I made a wrong turn and I'm driving now and I'm about two or three blocks into my wrong turn. I'm like, where where did I go? Turn the wrong way. So I go to do a U-turn and I see like an outdoor mall. And one of the things I would do a lot with my stepkid is, you know, we go walk around outdoor malls and, you know, get dinner. So I'm like, let me take a look at this, see what's in here, see if this is somewhere we should go. So I'm driving in the outdoor mall and there's all these stores and restaurants and I keep going and I see this beautiful apartment building at the end. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So I went in and, you know, I got a tour and I fell absolutely in love with it. But for a few different reasons, I didn't know if I'd be able to live there. They didn't have anything open at the time, you know, credit scores, all that good stuff. So, but I fell in love with it. I knew it's where I wanted to be. And afterwards, I'm in the car, you know, I'm like, ah, I love this place. I got to find a way to, to make this happen. And I turn over the folder that they gave me with all the information and the address is 1111 
north oh. well, i'm not going to give you the whole address i don't need to give the address of where i live right y'all <laughs> but the address <laughs> is 1111 which is michelle's birthday so but they didn't have anything open so i knew like this is where i'm supposed to be they didn't have anything open so they're like we don't have a list we put people on they're like just keep checking every day so every day i would keep checking and keep checking and finally something opened up and i applied and i got it right away but i had no idea it was i didn't actually see the unit i was going to move into i didn't know what what unit number it was or anything so moving day they're like you're in unit 211 which again goes back to <laughs> the two and the 11 and the four i knew that she brought me here for a reason i was here for a year before i met ali and it's a certain point i was just like well she brought me here because it's an amazing place to live and she was helping me out but i still kind of felt like there was a deeper reason and then when i met ali i'm like oh i think there was actually a deeper reason so again like it doesn't always happen they don't have total power up there right but sometimes if we're listening they can help guide us down here oh i love that story john and yeah look in readings tony's often told me that he is helping to guide me as much as he can so that i have to make sure that i hear him because he said sometimes i'm just too busy and miss his signs but i've learned that he nags me when he's pushing me to do something so it's just like this little voice in my head telling me over and over to do something and then it stops as soon as i act on it another way of seeing if your loved one is around you is to take an orb video and this is something that i did last year on tony's birthday and it was amazing so i can maybe post that video in our facebook group in the next few days for anyone who wants to have a look at it it was very special didn't you post that on tiktok and it went like fairly viral yeah, it got like 19,000 plays or something. Yeah, went went a bit crazy. I had never even heard of Orbs until after Michelle passed. Um, it's an interesting concept to me, but that video that you posted, yeah, that was pretty that was pretty crazy, I have to say. Yeah, and the thing was with that video, like I am a spiritual profiling practitioner and I was doing a class that we all do together uh weekly on zoom that night and that was the topic that come up that day on tony's birthday so that was what we were actually learning about in the class so of course i had to do it afterwards and um, i just feel that that was tony letting me know that he was with me on his birthday i love it i love it so the next thing i want to talk about a little bit here is the fact that and we kind of just talked about this but i just want to look at it a different way when we have loved ones on the other side, they can sometimes help us out in certain ways down here. Yeah, they love to help out with things if you ask them. Tony has helped me find a parking spot many times in a busy street. He's also helped me find things that I've lost. The day I moved into the house that I'm in now, by about 9 or 10 o'clock that night, I was absolutely exhausted and just wanted to go to bed and watch TV for a bit but I couldn't find the remote and I couldn't turn the TV on without it. So I looked everywhere I could think, but still couldn't find it. So before I went to sleep, I asked Tony if he could find it for me. The next morning I woke up and there it was on my bedside table. I shit you not. And it was definitely <laughs> not there the night before. I love that. That's so funny you said that because after my dad passed away, my mom would always be like, he's helping me find parking spots. And I'm like, yeah, mom, he has got nothing better to do up there <laughs> than help you find parking spots. But I mean, again, if you we keep talking about this, like if you feel it's a sign, if you feel like they're guiding you, chances are you're accurate, right? Chances are that is actually what is happening. Um, so we're going to wind down the episode with a couple last things here. So they cannot for instance <laughs> or maybe cannot is the wrong way of putting it they do not watch you do things like poop right carolyn they don't watch you poop <laughs> no they don't watch you poop john or if you happen to find you love in a making out they don't see that either right <laughs> from what i've heard from several psychic mediums is that there's like this special code or a rule that they have 
that says that they won't be around for those types of things. Yeah, I actually asked the psychic medium this direct question, not necessarily about the pooping or the making out, but some some form of this question. And she said to me, like, it's almost like a phone call. Like, they're not going to pop in uninvited, right? Like, you almost have to call them and be like, okay, like, you can come into this space. So if you're doing something like pooping, they're not just going to pop in and watch you poop, right? The other thing I want to say really quickly, and this is just my, my personal belief. Again, I'm spiritual. You know, I've listened to a lot of what I consider great spiritual minds of our time. You know, they don't have to take a train, plane, or automobile to, to come around. So a lot of people feel like, you know, well, it's been, you know, two years, it's been five years, it's been eight years, you know, they're not coming around anymore. I don't want to bother them. Like, they don't have to travel here, guys. Like, <laughs> it's like a nanosecond, right? So I feel like maybe Michelle doesn't come around as much anymore. But my personal belief is like, well, maybe she realizes I don't really need as many signs. Maybe she realizes I'm good. I don't think it's because like, she doesn't have the ability. I think the ability is still there to come and visit as much as she wants. Yeah, look, and I found it's been the same for me, John, that Tony doesn't seem to be giving me the amount of big signs that he used to earlier on, which is something that I believe that they do because I guess I don't need them as much as I used to in the earlier days. But I do know that I do still get them when I do need them. So it's very comforting to know that they are there whenever I ask for a sign or whenever something, you know, bigger is going on in my life, that he is there with me and he will give me those signs. You know, I just got back from Camp Widow and, you know, I met somebody there who, I don't remember how it came up, but somehow we started talking about signs and she got upset right? Like her heart started to hurt because she felt like she wasn't getting any signs. And she didn't really feel her husband's presence around. Now, look, there's 7 billion people in the world. And I think that there's a lot of different truths to all of that. But I do think part of it can be you're looking too hard for the signs or, you know, you're really discouraged and you don't think you're getting them. Maybe you're missing them. The other part of it is like, sometimes I'll have clients call me and they'll be like, I can't cry. You know, it's been five, six months and I can't cry. And I'm like, okay, well, one of, there's a lot we can work on here. But one of the things is like, you're putting way too much pressure on yourself, right? And when you're putting that much pressure on yourself to cry, because you want to cry, you feel like you should cry, but you can't cry. You're building additional walls. So sometimes it's just about releasing it. Just release. I know it's hard, guys. I, I know. I'm not trying to make it seem simplistic or easy or invalidate anyone's feelings. I'm not. But just releasing that a little bit. Releasing the disappointment that you don't feel like you've been getting signs. Releasing the disappointment that you don't feel connected to them. Sitting in the silence, right? Like, and just opening your heart up to it and trying to say, okay, when it comes, it will come. It, and I also think like having a proactive approach can be a good thing, right? So, you know, like if you don't feel like you're getting signs and you want signs, or you don't feel like they're kind of their presence with you, but you want it with you. Again, like maybe you go sit in the silence and you have a conversation with them, right? Maybe you start that conversation. up. Maybe you start writing them. Maybe you start trying to really create that connection. And if all else fails, I'm sorry, but like, I'm a believer that we can yell at them sometimes, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like, Michelle, like, you know, you better give me a sign and you better make it happen soon. That's okay too, right, Carolyn? We can yell at them sometimes. Of course we can. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. So just before we wind up this episode, I'd love to share something with you that I heard, and it was actually from that medium who I mentioned earlier in the episode that Tony decided to share the stage with. So the way he explained it is that if we can imagine our person is watching over us and we're sad and they're trying so hard to get our attention just to let us know that they're with us, 
So they might be saying, I'm here, darling. I'm with you. Hey, hey, I'm right here. And then a thought of them might pop into our head. But instead of feeling their warmth and the comfort that they want us to feel, we become sadder. And then they're saying, but no, no, I didn't want to make you sad. I want you to be happy when you think of me because I love you. Thank you for listening to the My Person Died To podcast. For full information on our books, coaching services and other offerings, visit our websites, carolyngowacoaching.com and johnpolocoaching.com. Remember to rate, review and subscribe. And if you found this podcast helpful, please spread the word so that we're able to support more people through grief.